Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. You know, we have this uh, segment, Jen, mm-hmm. um, The Guest Critic. Yes. Where our friends call up and tell us what they're watching and what they like. I think that that's a valuable feature, don't I think you? so, too. I think, you know, the, the vox populi, mm-hmm. we call it, the voice of the people. And well, some so, of them are pro- legitimate professionals. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some. <laughs> Legitimate. <laughs> At the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome to the podcast, the one that's completely wiped down with Lysol and Purell. I'm six feet away from you. At least six feet. I am Lou Katz here with Arch Campbell, and it is our At the Movies podcast. And joining us via phone from yeah, her we're bunker, three miles away from her, <laughs> from her bunker safe home. It's Vulture and WTOP Entertainment reporter Jen Cheney, and I can smell the Purell on you, Jen, all the way from here. God. Yeah, well, then you're too close. You need to back up. <laughs> so, Jen, how are you coping? Uh, you know, as best as anybody can at this point, just uh, staying in the house a lot, which luckily is something I'm accustomed to. Well, you do work from home a yeah. lot. It occurs to me that the world is changing now. And that this uh, worldwide pandemic is going to accelerate the move from movie theaters to uh, streaming. And and that's your universe, and it's the universe I've been expecting to come for a while. So I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is, what do you think the impact on this event will be on uh, movies and entertainment long term? You know, I I think it may accelerate that. I also, I don't know, it, it's hard to make sense of anything this soon into what I think is going to last for a while in terms of all of us uh, self-isolating. But I also think that when we do eventually get back to some kind of normal, there's going to be a hunger to do all these things that we used to do that we couldn't do for a while, including go to the movies. So there there may be at some point, whenever it happens, that we can actually go again, an uptick in people wanting to do it. So, you know, I'm not at a point where I'm willing to say that everybody's just going to watch all their movies from home, nor do I think Hollywood or the movie theaters are. But I do think it is going to have some kind of a lasting impact on the way that we do a lot of things, including telecommuting. Now that now that it's become a normal for people, I, I wonder, you know, it's a lot better for the environment if we're not all out on the roads all the time. You know, I, I think I read overseas that uh, uh, air pollution has gone down as people are staying in. Yeah, and I saw, I mean, and who knows if it was legitimate. It seemed to be um, in Venice, uh, the, you know, the way the water looked there was like, oh, it's suddenly cleaner. How did that happen? <laughs> so uh, the delayed release list is, uh, you know, most of the major movies – a Time to Die, the Bond movie, A Quiet Place 2, Mulan, Fast and Furious 9, and uh, there's a couple of others that uh, have recently been uh, just delayed for uh, uh, until uh, further notice. I read a piece, I think it's by Owen Gleiberman, that uh, there are certain movies you do want to see in a crowd. For instance, A Quiet Place 2, which is a horror film, and uh, Fast and Furious, you know, people love to to scream and yell and that sort of thing. So I think you're absolutely right. There is something 
still to be said for the uh, the movie theater experience. The most movie theaters are closed now. We should say every day. Uh, first it was New York and L.A., and then it was Maryland and the District, and in today's Washington Post, uh, then added to that uh, all of the uh, regal cinemas throughout the country, and today's Washington Post has no listings for uh, theater movies, and uh, nobody nobody should be in in a uh, enclosed space like that. Right. Did you ever think you'd see that? No. No, I did not. <laughs> so a lot of material is going to streaming. Uh, for instance, uh, Disney has uh, dropped uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and uh, Frozen 2. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Frozen 2, um, I think they put that on Disney Plus three months earlier than they had originally intended to do, knowing that people were going to be inside, and especially those with kids looking for things to watch, which was a, a nice gesture. I'm wondering, as this goes on, if it goes on uh, as long as people are now saying it might, if such nice gestures as, like, waiving your monthly fee for a month <laughs> might start to happen um, to lure subscribers in, you know, who are looking for things to watch. Yeah, you, you say it's a nice gesture, although I, I think I'm correct on this. Star Wars is a $19.95 uh, fee to stream. Yeah, I was talking about Frozen being a nice gesture oh, to put that on yeah, Disney Plus for yeah. people who subscribe to that. You still have to pay for Disney Plus, of course. I've also got a list here of from Universal uh, that they've put very recent films uh, on their site. Invincible Man, The Hunt, and Emma. You know, you and I liked Emma very much. You saw The Hunt. Is that worth uh, streaming at home? Yeah, that was, that was the last movie I saw in a theater. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, that movie... It, I feel bad. It's cursed. You know, they were supposed to put it out a few months ago, and there was all this concern that it was advocating that people go out and shoot Trump supporters, so they pushed it off. Then they set it for, you know, March 13th, and the weekend that everybody stopped going to the movies. So I actually, it is, it is not what people were saying it is. It does not, it demonizes all sides, really, um, and it has some clever twists in it. And Betty Gilpin gives a phenomenal performance. She's really kind of emerges as the star of the movie. She's been great on Glow. She's been great in a lot of other things. But this is really a breakout uh, performance from her. So uh, for that reason alone, yeah, if you're looking for something to watch, that would be worth it. And it's as much comedy as it is horror. It is. It's very, it is very gory. But there is some social commentary amidst the horror as well. And, and like I said, some some twists in the plot. It was written by um, Damon Lindelof and Nick mm. Hughes. Uh, Damon is the creator of Watchmen and Law. Right. And they've re they wrote some really good episodes of The Leftovers together. So it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Let's put it that way. Yeah, The Leftovers is one of my favorite uh, television series. Uh, and I really do like his work. Yeah. And, and basically, it's uh, people are lured to an island and, where they are hunted down. Yes. Um, and they are being hunted by what appear to be elitist liberals. Um, <laughs> but as I say, there's more to the story, and you're always kind of guessing what's going to happen next because nothing is ever quite as it seems it, it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it sounded to me like it was, uh, you know, the 2020 version of And Then There Were None or Ten Little Indians, mm -hmm. or, you know, that, that uh, people gathered and then picked off. So, so that's worthwhile to uh, to stream. I would.
so. I would say so. So speaking of streaming, let's go to your uh, expertise and what have you seen this week that you like? Earlier this week, The Plot Against America debuted on HBO. Yeah, I just watched the uh, first episode last night. Yeah, and I, I've I've watched that whole series. I reviewed it for Vulture, and I, I thought it was really excellent. It's produced by David Simon and, and mm-hmm. uh co-written by David Simon, who did The Wire, among many other shows. Ed Burns, I think, has a hand in it, too. Yes, that's right, who also worked on The Wire with him. And it's based on or, or an adaptation of the Philip Roth novel, which is an alt-history that imagines, you know, what if Charles Lindbergh had been uh, elected president instead of FDR getting his third term and, in fact, had prevented America from getting involved in World War II. Yeah, and Lindbergh, I guess we should insert, is uh, historically viewed as someone uh, sympathetic to the Third Reich, or at least uh, an admirer of uh, Hitler's Air Force. Right. And they really, they take that idea and run with it very much so, because there is a a rise in anti-Semitism, and it's really based on, it's looking at a family that lives in Newark, a Jewish family, and how different members of the family are impacted by this change and what's happening in, in the country. And eventually it starts to impact everybody in some really profound ways. And especially right now, you know, that show is people watching their country radically change uh, in a very short period of time and trying to cope with it. And obviously, we're not in quite the same situation, but that general feeling is something that maybe people are having right now. So I think it will connect uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, It's not something you can stream all at once. They're rolling out a new episode every Monday night, but absolutely worth watching. I like the production. I, you know, I'm because I'm elderly. (laughs) I like these productions that are set backward in time and uh you know it, it's uh, it's beautifully produced on the one hand on the other hand uh you know how about something contemporary so i kind of <laughs> go back and forth on that but i do i love seeing the old cars and the uh and the costumes yeah and winona Ryder is has a a pivotal role uh, along with john Turturro, and uh, and she's quite good in this she is. Um, there are a number of good performances in it. Zoe Kazan, who plays... Mm-hmm. Always liked her. The mother of the, the main family. She's excellent. Excellent in this. And uh, what else are you seeing that you're recommending? So another show that starts streaming... We're, we're t- talking right now on uh, Wednesday the 18th, and Little Fires Everywhere debuts today on mm-hmm. Hulu. Uh, this is another adaptation of a book, uh, Celeste Ng's novel that looks at two families in Shaker Heights, Ohio. And in the show, which is produced by Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, they play um, the two moms. And it's really looking at class differences, racial differences, what it means to be a mother. The first three episodes debut, like I said, uh, today, which is March 18th. And then after that, they roll out a new one every week. And uh, it, it gets a little soap opery uh, as it goes on. Uh, and it diverges from the book in certain ways. I thought the book was really good. And I think this is a good show, but it's a little, it gets a little melodramatic and a little, um, it loses a little bit of nuance in, in terms of the way they tell the story. But it's the kind of thing you start watching it and you immediately get hooked into it. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon uh, welcomes this family to her, to her, to a house she rents or to her house. 
and they're kind of thrown. Reese Weatherspoon is kind of uh, she's sort of created the the we the Reese Witherspoon story. You know, I mean, this feels a little bit like um, like the other things she just did. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, well, that's funny. I When I read the book a couple years ago, I actually went to – Celeste Ng was doing a signing at Politics and Prose, and I know her a little bit from social media. And I asked her, are they going to adapt this into something? Because it seems like it would be an, an HBO limited series. Uh, and at the time, she was like, well, I can't really say. And then two months later, I was like, Rich Weatherspoon is uh, adapting this book. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> it wasn't for HBO. It was for Hulu, but the same premise. Um, and – uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I think the audience it will attract is, you know, definitely the people who watch Big Little Lies, and it does start out with a mystery. The house is, is burning down, and you, you uh-huh. want to know who set the fire. Yeah. So there are some parallels in, in a lot of ways, but I think this is a little more kind of blunt and blatant about what it's trying to say uh, with regard to, like I said, economic divide and the racial divide so uh, any thoughts on you know i'm i'm of course a fanatic for better call saul and uh what would you say if i uh threw out that i think right now it's the best show on on streaming i would not disagree i think it's a terrific show um everything about it is just done at, at an a level from the performances to the it's one of it's maybe the best directed show on television. They they do such a good job of every director that they have does a great job. The only thing about Better Call Saul that I've always felt is that I'm always much more interested in what Kim and Jimmy are doing and I'm always less interested in what's happening with Mike because they're sort of like two different shows at this point. Mhm. Yeah. I still I mean I care somewhat. I I don't mean to say I don't care about Mike or Gus Fring or, or what they're doing, but it's it's I I just find the dynamics of of Jimmy's story and, and Kim's story so much more interesting. Well, my wife Gina and I kind of have, you know, we struggle to uh, keep up with the Mike and Gus and the the Salamanca, you know, the the drug story. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, whereas I, you know, so I completely agree with you with uh, Saul and Kim. Basically, you know, the tension is when are they going to break up and what's it going to take. I think. Well, or and also, is Kim going to make it out of there alive? Because we know her character is not in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought that far. Yeah, you have to think something's going to happen to her. Hopefully she lives, but this isn't a very forgiving version of New Mexico that they depict on that series. So I, I just, I recently, I think we may have talked about this. I wrote a piece about Kim Wexler's character and how she evolved. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting to hear from Vince Gilligan, the co-creator of the series, that they really didn't know what they were doing with that character. They created her and just kind of didn't have a lot of backstory about her, and that's evolved as they went on, and, and certainly with feedback from Ray Seahorn, who does just such a great job of, of playing that character. There's something about her, and uh, there's a certain uh, sort of resistance she has to, uh, to Saul, to Jimmy, at least uh, that I see, uh, just sort of a... Oh, okay. Oh, you know, there's there's a distancing of her that I I just find interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, the tension is, when is this going to break, for me? Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you for the tip on McMillions. I finally finished it. Oh, <laughs> it's an old series, I know, on HBO. It's not that old. But I would certainly recommend it. And uh, 
my my friends who I'm, I find myself reaching out to old friends. Lou and I communicate by email. <laughs> just to, by campfire. Uh, <laughs> waving waving flags. You know, how are you coping? That seems to be the new uh, thing. So uh, my friends were ahead of me on that curve, and uh, and thank you for this. Hey, so. Jen, Jen, I wanted to ask you about um, the Mr. Rogers movie. Yeah. Is that available for streaming now? I think it is. I know it's certainly available on demand. They've been advertising it right. on demand. So if you have a, a cable subscription, you should be able to get it that way. Um, I don't know if it's you know available via any of the subscription services as of yet. Well, I, I had a chance to see it on a flight to and from uh, Sarasota, Florida. And I must tell you, I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful movie. I, I, I had heard so many good things about it. I got mm-hmm. soggy in, in many places <laughs> while, while watching it. And uh, if folks have not seen that one yet, it's really, I don't know, just, well, just and a it's, great movie. it's underrated. You know, people, I think because the documentary had come out the week, the uh, year before, mm-hmm. that it was just sort of underrated. And yet, uh, you know, we had our guest critics on parade last week which was uh, basically a recycled job. We're good at that. <laughs> and and I was I was interested in how often uh, uh, Mr. Rogers came up as well as uh, Ford versus Ferrari and uh, Parasite. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get, uh, and Toy Story 4 as well. I think they're all uh, uh, between Amazon Prime and Netflix, you should be able to find them. Yeah, and I mean, the Mr. Rogers movie is, is such an uplifting, uh, nice thing to watch that I think it's it's a great thing for people who are feeling a little down. And, and also, you know, we need to come together and support Tom Hanks, who has COVID-19. Like, do yeah, our part and watch yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, he and uh, Rita, his wife. But man, that was a blow. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I know, crazy times. Uh, There's one other story that would be a major story were it not for uh, this change in our world with the COVID virus, and that is late last week, uh, AMC, who has the lease on the Uptown Theater on Connecticut Avenue in Washington, uh, announced that they are closing and uh, they're no longer operating the theater. And when theaters reopen, unless somebody steps in, uh, the Uptown Theater will be dark. Like me, I'm sure you have a lot of memories and, and a few thoughts on the closing of the Uptown Theater. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this was rumored for a while that it might close, and it, it, it was able to hang on for a while there. But yeah, I was really sad to see that. Like, Many people, there are so many movies that I saw there because, you know, it was an event to see a movie at that theater. And I'm sure you covered premieres as I did uh, over, you know, 25 years. I I saw the original Star Wars at the Uptown Theater in 1977. And, you know, that's when... That's when the term blockbuster really began to be widely used because mm-hmm. it was single-screen theater. In order to see it, you had to line up, and the lines went around the block. Then I remember the Uptown, uh, before the uh, the last series of Star Wars started, they played, I think, the first six in order mm-hmm. from midnight until dawn. <laughs> 
And the neighborhood said, don't ever do that again. Yeah, Cleveland Park couldn't have been very happy about People that. People were standing outside. It. And, you know, the four provinces, the Irish bar was down the street. And so uh, people waiting would go in there and, and drink a couple of Guinnesses. I remember in 19, was it 1993, I think, was Jurassic Park, the world right. premiere. Oh, yeah. Was there. And, I mean, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern, everybody was there. And I actually had a chance. I was sitting on the aisle, and Laura Dern was walking down, and I and stuck my hand out and, and shook her hand, which, of course, is not something I would be doing uh, today. Right. But I don't know. Maybe in her case, I still might do it. But it, it was so, so many memories from that from that incredible well, theater. Well, Dick Tracy is, uh, you know, when Madonna and uh, Warren Beatty came. And then, uh, remember Madonna's documentary? Truth or Dare, yeah. Yeah, and uh, their arrival at the Uptown Theater is in. And I happen, not to blow my own horn, but I happen to have quite a a cameo in Truth or Dare because I'm waving my microphone and you can see my mouth going, Madonna, Madonna, (laughs) Madonna. Well, now I have to go back and rewatch it. I don't remember that. She just breezes on by. Are you still collecting those residual (laughs) checks? I never got a residual, but that's okay for me. I, I read an idea that maybe Netflix would step in and take over management of that theater because they did the same thing. I think they run the Egyptian in L.A., and uh, they they took over a prominent theater in New York. Yeah. And this to facilitate their theatrical releases. That's probably the brightest hope for me. I can't imagine, you know, it was any other time, maybe an arts organization or somebody would step in, but, uh, you know, the world has changed so drastically. Mm-hmm that uh, we're not past how we're going to re-enter society when this is over. So uh, I I am greatly saddened uh, by the Uptown thing. My, my favorite memory of everything, besides the premieres and, you know, all the years and remote broadcasts, is uh, Gina and I went to uh, the revival of The Wizard of Oz and set up in the theater in the balcony the Wizard of Oz, you practically know word by word anyway, and it was just uh, delightful. Mm-hmm. We must keep our fingers crossed for uh, the Uptown Theater. Just a, a quick memory that popped into my head when you were saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when they, they re-released E.T., it must have been, uh, it was for some anniversary in the early yeah, 2000s, yeah. and I got a bunch of my friends to go to the Uptown. Oh. And um, one of my friends was sitting in front of me, and it was at the point in the movie where E.T.'s health is not looking great and, and they're operating on him and uh, it looks like he's not going to make it. And my friend, who has seen the film, but I guess she hadn't seen it since she was really little, she turned around and she goes, is he going to die? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so no matter uh, how much the world changes to streaming – there is still something to be said for that uh, mass experience. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think people will be craving it when it comes back. We're going to take a break. And, uh, Jen, I know you have things to do. So um, I think that we're going to take next week off and sort of see where we are. But we plan to continue to uh, bring you uh, uh, entertainment tips 
And uh, and so let's wait two weeks and let's get back together and see where we are and see what else is coming down the pike. And and uh, Jen, I, Lou and I are just uh, thrilled that you're part of this podcast. Oh, well, I am too. And I wish that I, I could actually be in the studio with you, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to really heed the advice that we've been given about yeah. social distancing and all that. So yeah, it's very important. This is my first visit outside of the house other than, uh, walking around uh, town, mm-hmm. which is, uh, sort of semi apocalyptic. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, we'll be thinking of you and we'll get back together in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. There she is, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Jen, let's Janie. give her. Usually, she she delivers the uh, the funny line of the show, but I guess yeah. we're not as funny. So let's uh, <laughs> not feeling too funny this week. We're gonna bring in an old friend in a minute, but first let's take a break and plug uh, the one thing that is consistent with uh, our world, and that is Hound Radio. Hound Radio is having another pick-a-ticket event as our concert bowl is filled with free tickets to three amazing classic rock bands this summer at Jiffy Lube Live. On Wednesday, June 24th, listen to the music of the Doobie Brothers. Friday, August 21st, Rock with Foreigner. You're as cold as ice. Feels like the first time. I want to know what love is. Appearing with Foreigner. Carry on my wayward son. Kansas. Just in the wind. Register to win now at houndradio.com, courtesy of Live Nation. Three shows to drool over. The Doobie Brothers, Foreigner, and Kansas. Part of the 2020 Houndapalooza concert series only from Hound Radio. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Well, one of the things I was so looking forward to uh, was scheduled for this weekend, the uh, appearance of Count Gore Duvall at the American Film Institute to introduce the horror of Dracula. (laughs) But... The horror is this virus which closed down the AFI. At one point, uh, the Count was going to stream himself in on video, but now that's off. So uh, at the least we can do is visit with our dear friend, Count Gordival. Count. Hey, it's so cool to talk to you. I know it's so bad that they canceled Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. I need to tell you, these guys get no respect. Uh, so, 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 Count, to get that slick hair, is that Purell added in there? Or? Uh, we're not going to tell. You know, you know how the, I, there used to be a commercial about only her hairdresser knows. Well, only my hairdresser knows. <laughs> So uh, I found it interesting that uh, for a while you were going to appear at the AFI on screen from your bunker somewhere in Transylvania. Yeah, well, actually, it was on screen, but that's okay. It's close, you know. <laughs> it was that, yeah. a screaming what event. Was, what, 
happened is the governor said, ah, 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 we can only have 250 people in the theater, and we want them spread out. So, you know, they can hold 400, so they were going to spread them out. And then he cut it back to 50, and then he said, ah, just close them all. But, yeah, that was it. Of course, you have to understand, Arch. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's all I did. I mean, for my entire career, it was always on video. I mean, it was only with the AFI that we did the live stuff. So, yeah, it wouldn't have been too much of a... Uh, a stretch, so to say, but yeah, we had lots of great things. I had lots of great things planned. I mean, and, the, and we were going to sell the usual merchandise too. Yeah, we had T-shirts, <laughs> autographed pictures, and autographed rolls of toilet paper. Yes, you're out of that now. I bet. <laughs> I, I might oh, no, need. I got cases of the stuff. You know, who's, who's going to pay twenty bucks for a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> well, you never can tell. <laughs> so uh, you picked uh, the horror of Dracula to show, which you will not be showing. Why did you pick that? Well, you know, we've you know for since thirteen, we've shown all these great movies, and we but one of the ones we've never shown any of the Hammer films, and of course, it was in the late fifties, starting in fifty seven with the Curse of Frankenstein, that Hammer got into the horror business with Cushing and Lee. And, uh, you know, for like 20 years or at least 15 years, they just, just cranked out these really great horror movies. I mean, you know, widescreen, full color, lots of cleavage. I mean, it was a great, great thing. There. <laughs> they were, they were drive-in uh, theater movies, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and double feature films, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, and they kind of they they went through the the canon. They sort of remade, uh, you know, the, it was kind of a of a cheesy fifties update on the thirties uh, classics. Well, you know, I'm not sure I would say cheesy. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it was just updating it, and you know, it was, I mean, it's thirty years later, you know, and, and I think. Christopher Lee, I mean, he just, he, just, he just embodied Dracula in a whole new way. I mean, this was the first time that Dracula actually had visible fangs. It was the first time that Dracula, his eyes turned bright red. Of course, he put the contacts in, he couldn't see where he was going, but that's okay. They worked around that. Uh, will you, know, you, will and, you stream on your website, your website, pardon me, <laughs> will you stream uh, the horror of Dracula, or can you? You know, a lot of people have asked that. I'd love to, but no, 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 no. That the negotiations for trying to get the, the streaming rights of that would be, you know, uh, out the window. No, no. But we may show it again. I, there's no reason why we shouldn't show it again at the AFI and see it on the big screen. Hey, here's a little trivia for you, though. You know, <laughs> yes. hey, yes. Christopher Lee got paid twenty-one hundred bucks in nineteen fifty-eight dollars to do this. The really? film made twenty-five million. Uh, that thus thus the name Hammer. <laughs> yes, but you know they, they must have paid him by the line because Christopher Lee had a total of sixteen lines in the entire film. The rest of the time he just creeped around like Bella Lugosi's he chiropractor. And on necks and asserted other things too. Yeah, so that that was the whole thing. It was it was kind of cool. He did six more of those for Hammer, all under duress. <laughs> Well, uh, I understand you um, you have uh, recorded a uh, PSA on your website on how uh, how to hide your sneezes and how to cough into your elbow and uh, how not to touch each other. Sort of, sort of a public service, huh? Yes, I did. It was called. <laughs> 
Cough, sneeze, and cover the Count Gordivalvi, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I showed you how to do it with and without a cape. There uh, you go. Well, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad that you didn't get to come up here. I have great memories of uh, your classics. You know, uh, I particularly remember watching uh, the original Frankenstein from 1931 uh, yes. that you showed. And, and watching it in the AFI, it really struck me at, as uh, how good an actor Boris Karloff was. Well, you know, in, in, in being serious here, yes, he was. And it shows you you don't have to have a lot of lines to be a good actor. As a matter of fact, I've always felt that it's tougher to act when you don't have lines because, you know, you've got to convey everything without actually saying something. So, yeah, it was, it was really good. So um, when is your next uh, appearance other Funny than other than ask. between sundown and sun up. <laughs> Funny you should ask because yeah. you know, Arch, what are you doing July twenty fifth? Uh I hope I'm gonna be re entering society. Well good. You could re enter it with me at the AFI. How would you like to jo- join me and and coming over there and be my, my guest co host as we do? Uh we're gonna send Washington into a panic. Yeah, what are you going to Wait a minute, it's already in a panic <laughs> count. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. A bigger panic. What are what are you showing Wait, July 25th? It, it, it's, it's not it's not an alien virus. It's not aliens across the border. It's an alien spaceship landing on the ellipse. What uh, do you think it is? Oh, the day the earth stood still? Absolutely, you got it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I remember that. I also, you know, uh, from my childhood, I, I fondly remember going to see Earth versus the Flying Saucers at a drive-in oh, yes. theater. Marlo. Yes. My father uh, took me and my friend because we all wanted to see it, including my father. And then as far as the Hammer films go, I remember seeing those as well as the William Castle films. The House oh, yeah. on Haunted Hill and, and all of those. When I first started going to movies, uh, those were playing. So so that's the day the earth stood still is a is a genuine classic. And so that is that's uh, something to look forward to. You and I were quoted by uh, John Kelly this week about ah. the closing of the Uptown Theater. Did you know that? I didn't know that, although he did he did call and talk to me about it. But, uh, yeah, that is really a sad, sad state of affairs. Well, you're quoted as saying you and I are going to pool our resources and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just well, want to say, don't hold your breath, Count. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we could... We could we could take what's left over of our four hundred one k's from our television days and we yes. Could, yeah. Well, I used to have one until this week. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, you notice I said what's left over. So uh, finally, count. Uh, what are you watching? You're our guest critic. What are you watching? What are you uh, recommending that people watch in these age in this age of streaming? Well, you know. I, I, I am, I am binge-watching um, one of the Star Trek series. I'm, I, you know, I love horror, but I also mm-hmm. love science fiction. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I've been really kind of disappointed in all the reboots they've done. I mean, I've watched Discovery and went, eh. I watched Picard, and I was, I'm not that really impressed. And I've watched the reboot movies. But I went back, and right now I'm, I'm binge-watching Star Trek Enterprise. And I'm oh. finding that it is quite entertaining and quite in keeping with the original canon of uh, Star Trek films. Oh. I mean, it really, it really was, if you look at it seriously, technically and otherwise, a really great prelude to the original series. And uh, so I'm enjoying it. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm that's streaming right now. And uh, have you seen any horror films lately that uh, got your attention? Nothing that I'm going to jump out and say you got to go see it because yeah. all the theaters are closed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Words of wisdom from our dear friend, Count Gordeval, the star of Channel 20's Creature Feature many years ago, and uh, my dear friend, and, you know, it's, it's great to have you uh, on the podcast, and, we'll, and we're all looking forward to July 25th. I think that might be. Hey, you uh, know, it's, I, 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 seriously, I appreciate you, you remembering me and, and keeping me in the loop here. And even if we can't buy the Uptown, at least, you know, given, you know, if, if, if let's put it this way, if this thing isn't resolved by July, we're all in deep doo doo. So I think it'll be resolved. Everyone come out on the 25th. And Arch, you know, I, I think it'd be great if you could get out there and, and we could, we could. Trivia the heck out of Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, Count. God bless you, and see you soon. Hey, hey, everyone. And may all your blood be warm and your viruses go go bye-bye. <laughs> love it. <laughs> there he is. You can't keep a good vampire down, can you? So, Lou, here we are. It's great being in studio with you, and we're going to take uh, two weeks to see uh, what uh, what the world uh, has in store for us. And, and during this two weeks, uh, there will be a lot of material available uh, online and streaming. And I've, I've been thinking for some time now that uh, that's what entertainment is uh, moving to anyway. So if I'm correct, I guess our best bets for the weekend are uh, The Plot Against America on right. HBO and uh, Little Fires Everywhere on, on the Hulu. And uh, Jen seems to like The Hunt, which I think is on Amazon Prime. And there's a lot of uh, recent films out there available now, including uh, Frozen 2. And Emma and the Invisible Man, the Gentleman, Birds of Prey—they're—it's all you know—they're all coming down. So, so that's our—that's uh, our best bets for the weekend. Well, you know, I was thinking uh, that we should wrap up the show as we usually do with some music. And yeah. and uh, a little while ago, before we actually started the thing, we came up with this idea of a whole new world. Uh, yes, what's what we're in. I'm frozen. Where have I heard that from? We really are certainly in a whole new world. And part, and part of the uh, lyrics in that includes a whole new world Every turn a surprise. <laughs> With new horizons to pursue, every moment red letter, I'll chase them anywhere, and so on and so forth. So please 
Be safe. Uh, don't panic. We'll make it through all of this. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you in two weeks. I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? And under on a magic carpet ride, a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no, or where to go, or say. This is the CATS Podcasting System.